0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Playground, and I am honored to have as a guest of mine for today, Steve Arrington. Um, you probably know him from the band Slave. You probably know him as Steve Arrington from the Hall of Fame. So, Steve, welcome to the show. <laughs> uh,
1: thank you, Eddie. It's good to be on the show with you, my brother.
0: Man, I'm so glad that you could do this with me. I'm, I'm truly honored. I'm truly honored. So, so thank you. Thank you. How you feeling? How you doing?
1: Well, I'm doing well, man. Just trying to get it done day by day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just staying positive and staying cool.
0: And I love that attitude. And before we go any farther, I'm going to read a quote from you that is, like, one of my favorites. Um, No matter what, no matter how long it takes, I stay focused and put in the work for dreams to come true. That's something that we can all take away from this before we even get started. So I want to have that kind of attitude, like, right there to begin with, so everybody knows what's going on with you. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, let's, let's go to the beginning. Like when you, when you first came into music and this and that, and the other, I mean, you have like so much going on. I mean, with, with like your other projects and with your solo projects and all that stuff, I mean, going from the beginning. So starting from the beginning, what was it that if you can remember, you know, (laughs) what was it that drew you, drew you into music? What was it? What was your fascination? If you, if you will, what got you started? what, what, what got it interesting to you?
1: Well, I always have just loved music. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother, uh, they would have their parties, you know, birthday parties and things like that.
0: In the basement? Uh,
1: yeah, in the basement. Uh-huh. They do their <laughs> thing, right? And um, so, you know, that, at that time, we had Spindles, 45s, and right. Motown, and Atlantic Records. Those guys were just killing it, right? Right. And that being said, you know, I'm not, I couldn't read and write just yet, but I could remember labels, and I could remember what the writing looked like. So my wow. mother would tell me, she's like, Steve, go play uh, Supreme's Come come See About Me.
0: So wait a minute, before we go in front, let's go back. You said you couldn't read or write yet. So how old were you? I mean, would you, you could remember stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I'm just a little homie, right? I'm wow, just okay. like a little dude. And my mother, right. and them, the fascination was that he can go over there and put this record on him telling him to play mm-hmm. and watch. He's going to pick the right one. Because what I used to do, I used to stare and just watch the records go around. I mean, Uh, my mother and father didn't stop me from doing that. (laughs) Right. And so I just watched the records go around, and I'd be so fascinated by it that I would remember what the song, how it looked as far as the label. Uh So to impress her friends, she would say, watch this, Steve, go play, like I said, play some Supremes, whatever. And I'd pick the right record, and they like, this dude is serious about this music thing. And Uh uh, so it's always been in me. Um, When I would go to church, my great uncle, who was a preacher, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: he would call me music. Music? uh, Music, yeah. Okay. He wouldn't call me Steve. He called me music. Okay. Now, what made him see that in me? I'm talking about like four or five years old. My brothers would tell me, I remember him calling me that. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember why I don't I don't remember some type of dialogue that he said concerning me, nothing like that. He just called me music now music, but my mm-hmm. brothers would say yeah, he saw something in you. My brothers are like seven and eight years older than me.
0: Okay. So,
1: uh, you know, it just it's always been there. My love for it.
0: Now that they noticed that, do you remember what age you were? You said they're seven or eight years older than you. Do you remember the age you were when they when he recognized that in you?
1: It's more like five, you know, like wow. five years old, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that in that area. Four, five, six around in there.
0: That's impressive focus focusing you at that age.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, like some people, you know, I showed a tremendous interest in it real mm-hmm. young, real early.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, as far as like playing, now uh, we have to start like from the beginning. As far as like you're getting into playing and this, and that, and the other. Um, I noticed there's a group that you played with called the Murphys the Lounge yes. Band. From yeah. back in the day. Was that the first band that you played with? Because I noticed they, they were a touring band at the time. Um, was that your first foray into like performance or?
1: Well, that was the first touring band I played with. But okay. I grew up in Dayton, in the Dayton mm-hmm. scene, where a lot of great bands came out of the city, right. starting mm-hmm. with the Ohio Players.
0: Shout out and to Ohio. Brother,
1: <laughs> yeah, shout out to the Ohio Players. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, My brother had a band called The Soul Agents and he played saxophone.
2: Uh Now
1: I said my brother is seven and eight years older than me. He was the one that was seven years older than me.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So he would have these guys come and they would rehearse at our house. Mm
2: -hmm. Now
1: check this out. Okay, In the Mm -hmm. band there was Junie Morrison who ended up being the lead vocalist of the Ohio Players
0: and wait a wait. minute! Wait, whoa, whoa! In that band, you had Junie.
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. and I'm not done. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. Marvin Pierce, the trombone player for the Ohio, for the
0: players was mm-hmm.
1: also in this band. Right. And at different at different times in the evolution of my brother's band, mm-hmm. Marvin Craig, the bass player for Lakeside, right, was also in this band, and the original drummer for Slave, Tim Dozier, was also in this band.
0: Dude, that's a super band.
1: <laughs> right. So, and, and it's at different times now. They didn't, mm-hmm. there were a piece where maybe two or three were together, mm-hmm. but they all, all weren't together. Maybe some were together without Junie. Maybe Junie was together with Marvin Pierce. You know what, right. I'm, saying, what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, regardless of who was there when, I was watching all of it sitting on the steps to the to the basement. Man. And so I saw Junie Morrison when I was just a little homie before he got with the Ohio Players. I saw what? Marvin Craig before he got with Lakeside. I saw uh, Marvin Pierce before he got with right. uh, the Ohio Players as well. And of course right. Tim Dozier before he got with Slade. So this is the kind of musician and uh, quality of musicians. right? That I grew up watching when I was just a little homie chick, and they would let me, they saw my interest again, they would let me, and of course my first instruments was, was drums, right?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So they would say, yo man, we'll let you play the drum set when uh, we leave from practice. They trusted me that I wasn't going to tear the drums up.
2: right?
1: And so I could play Tim Dozier's drums. You
2: know? uh-huh. Uh
1: but they they trusted me like that and other drummers who you know tim they had different guys come and go in a local band but yeah man that's sort of how i got really going with it
0: talk about a school (laughs) i mean talk about like what man teachers seriously i mean you're dealing with professors you know i mean junie i mean all those at the time they were my heroes i mean you know junie would kill me you know and then marvin on please I mean you're like going to school <laughs> before absolutely. you're going to school practically
1: absolutely I was and I, I recognized how awesome it was I was able to do it so uh-huh. my friends would come over like yo man let's go outside and do this and that and the other no no I'm cool I'm right. going stay and watch my brother and them rehearse
0: right um, right
1: so again you know it was that sort of they would see that and so they would let me play the drums after mm-hmm. they leave because they saw that I would stay focused and be into this thing when I could have just been out, just hanging out and kicking it. Right.
0: Right. Which, right. 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 So um, you're, you're a percussionist as well, right? Say that again? Percussionist as well, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Sir.
0: Did yes. you start there or did you, did you both do drums and percussion together?
1: Well, actually it started with the drums, but okay. because I was the little guy, Got I eventually you. started playing with my brother's band, mm-hmm. But there are certain mm-hmm. clubs I couldn't.
0: As meet. the drummer.
1: As, as a percussion player.
0: Percussionist, okay, okay. Yes,
1: um, because I played drums, but I wasn't as good as the older guys that played <laughs> right. drums. But they right. were like, yo, man, you can play percussion. And they, you know, so they sort of nurtured me and brought me along. And then eventually I did play drums, but it started from percussion. But when I was practicing at the house when they would leave, I played drums.
0: Okay, okay. So you go from, so you've been playing drums for a while, obviously, you know, got, got, got good enough to where people were to start, starting to pay attention, right? <laughs> so um, is that is that where the, the group, the touring group came in? Is that when you got with them or?
1: Well, you know, well, then there was the, uh, let's say the talent show and battle of the band. Ah, yeah, the right.
0: battle of the bands, the famous battle of the
1: bands. Yeah, so now we're talking about early grade school. Now I'm getting into the eighth seventh eighth grade now because I played with these older musicians when I was younger when I started to play with guys that were in my own age group I was advanced because Mm -hmm. I had seen Mm -hmm. these great musicians Mm -hmm. so I was in this group called the so illusions and eluders they were a singing group but then the band we sort of dressed up like people right Oh my God. So it was an interesting blend. We'd be playing in one minute, we'd be playing Delphonics, right?
2: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And in the next, you know, before they came out, we was like doing like P Funk type music, (laughs) uh, Funkadelic, more Funkadelic type music. And I remember, you know, we had sheets that we put over a head and the one dude would do the diaper thing. And then we now play behind this vocal group, right? Uh Uh, so, but the battle of the bands was so interesting because a lot of the groups that we all came up together, especially the Mighty Lakeside,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and pretty much was intact
2: mm-hmm.
1: as a local group when we were all coming up. Right. And they used to win all the talent shows, man. <laughs> they, they had their steps, and we we come in second and third, it's like, ah, we, oh, here come Lakeside, ah. uh huh.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So we were kind of, we were younger than them. They were the older guys that we looked up to, but then they were younger than the Ohio players.
0: Oh, okay. okay. Yeah,
1: so they came behind the players, but they were before the guys who ended up being enslaved and and uh, groups like that and Sun. you know what I'm saying? So we kind of came behind them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That being said, man, the talent shows were intense. I can imagine were around the corners at the schools, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Trying to get in because you had all this talent and dating all at the same time, right. uh, And that was the next stage for me before I got with the Murphys was the oh, whole talent okay. show thing, and I okay. graduated from school, and you know, and uh, and so then I, you know, at that time you could go to music stores and see on the bulletin board like you know somebody's needing a keyboard player, needing a drummer.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: so I uh, answered this ad, you know,
2: mm-hmm. they said he said
1: you needed a drummer who could sing and I'm like, Well, I never actually really sang from the drums. Oh, but okay. I I dug enough of Buddy Miles. Mm-hmm. I think I could have the coordination to do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I went to this audition at this uh sort of it was like a lounge, a hotel lounge room, you know mm-hmm.
2: what I'm saying? Mm-hmm
1: and uh, got the gig but then the drummer decided not to leave he was out of cleveland and the murphys were out of the murphys were out of toledo mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: but i got the gig but he decided not to leave so then i went out to the west coast now this is right after high school right right i was disappointed because I, I thought i had the gig but right then I didn't.
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: i'm like you know what man i'm gonna do what lakeside did lakeside went out to la to make it <laughs> I decided (laughs) to go out to the Bay Area. Now, this is how important Lakeside was to us. Uh We looked up to them so much and respected them so much. If Lakeside decided, man, we're going to go out to the West Coast to LA to make it, the rest of us was like, well, man, maybe that's what we need to do.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So I was in a band, a fusion band, and then I also played with what ended up being Predominantly, the people that ended up in the group slave, we were in a group called the Young Mystics.
0: Okay, okay, and
1: several guys in that band ended up being enslaved, but see, they were younger than me, so now I'm a senior, mm-hmm. they're just freshmen, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm seeing what Lakeside is doing, and you know, this freshman. This group we were doing, we were going through management things, and we were just trying to get it together. I decided to go out to the West Coast. When I get out there, I'm out there about a month, okay? Right. Now the land, uh, the uh, the band calls me, the Murphys, and say, "Well, the dude ended up quitting. Can you come back to Ohio?" And I'm like, "Okay." So then that was when I really started to tour and, you know, do gigs every day and learn what the road was about and I did that for about a year and then I went back out to the Bay Area to try and make it.
0: Okay. of how out, kind of okay. moves forward. So being a, being a youngster I mean for the most part I mean you make that big move from from Ohio to
1: mm-hmm.
0: California and yes. all that what was that like for you? Um, I mean that that's talk, talk about a culture shock.
1: Yes well see I come under that whole hippie thing because uh, <laughs> you know, I was loving like the, the the rock music at the time, right? Uh-huh. So for me, I was like, I instead of going to L.A., I wanted to go to the Bay Area because the Bay Area had more of this hippie culture. And That's where it was. To, You're a right, part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was like a super Hendrix fan.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: wow, and okay. Zeppelin and I had seen all these concerts, like Jefferson Airplane. I saw them live, and, right? You know, so. That whole thing, I wanted to try and get close to that tower of power and slide stone. I wanted wow. to get close to that energy. Mm-hmm. So I moved out to Berkeley, California. And I was kind of right on where I lived, was right in right close to where Berkeley and Oakland kind of overlap.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I was out there for a while and you know, I was trying to hook up and get with some musicians, you know, same thing. Right. Going to music stores, checking out the bulletin board and seeing what was going on. Right. I met this guy. His name was Victor Mason, organ
0: player.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: Went over to his house, told him I was from Ohio. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, anyway, we kicked it off. And I love for going, I love to go for rides, right? Uh huh. This
2: is crazy. Uh huh.
1: <laughs> so we go for this ride, right? And we're heading out to Alameda, these areas I didn't know anything about. And one day, we went for this ride and Coke Escovito was watering his lawn. What? I was a serious, serious Santana head, right? Uh So when Coke got into the mix on the Abraxas album, I'm like, oh my goodness, man. This Escovedo mm-hmm. dude is bad. So, you know, Chapito and Coke and Pete too, they had this whole percussion thing going. Right. Um, and I was very interested in it. Mm-hmm. Little did I know I'd ever meet Coke Escovedo. And I'm not I'm out there the second time now, uh-huh. maybe three months. And uh and he says, Yo, that's Coke watering his grass. I'm like, No, it's not. he said it is. I said, Well, I gotta get out of the car. Right, right. I get out of the car, and then I realized Mm. He's watering. Him. Uh, right. How do I do this without him looking at me like, "Come on, man, I'm trying. To cry. I'm out here watering my lawn and, come up and do the uh-huh. fan thing, right? So uh-huh. I'm like, okay. So I say, Mr. Escovedo. First of all, I just want to say I love your music. I'm from Ohio. I've come out here and I'm trying to trying to make it. And I just wanted to tell you, thank you for the great music I'm hearing you do with with uh, Carlos Santana, and I'm saying the Braxis album, you know, so he knows that I really am about it, right?
2: Right, right. You know, I'm
1: trying to get on, and and he says, well, you know what? Give me a card. And I gave him a card, and then before that, we left, he says, you know what? I know this um, flute player who's looking for a drummer. Mm-hmm. I said, really? He says, yeah, come out next week. And he gave me this address, go to this address next week. And it was at his house. Okay. That, and this guy opened for Coke, right? He was this opening act for Coke. Mm-hmm. So as I go down there, I'm like, oh man, that's Coke. Cool. And then I realized, okay, we're back at this house where we, cause I didn't even, I was so blown away that I saw Coke as being water I didn't know where it was. Bugs. Right, I right. There is know, no like, rest of the world. It's just it's right that, this moment. Yo, just right. tripping right uh-huh, now, uh-huh. yo, man. So uh-huh. anyway, we go back and we go to his home, and he's has it having this uh, rehearsal and audition at his home.
2: Mm-hmm. He's
1: standing there. He's checking me out. He says, "You know what? I want you to play with me too." I couldn't believe it. Wow, I, I was blown away. So I played with the guy who was the flute guy, and I don't remember his name now, uh-huh. uh, but it was sort of like a smooth jazz type of gig, right?
0: Got you, right?
1: And then, of course, Coke was, you know, soulful salsa, soulful uh, Latin soul, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I ended up living with Coke and his manager because, like, again, like I said, I was from Ohio. Hulk really took me under his wing, right? He really said, you know, I'm I'm feeling what you're doing. So he really helped me out.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that was my next step away from like the Murphys I, I toured, but we mm-hmm. were doing, you know, covers and doing Tie Yellow Ribbon around the old mm-hmm. oak tree.
0: And, right, right, right. And doing
1: mm-hmm. Top 40. And, mm-hmm. and that was cool that we were doing these variety show type joints because it broadened my spectrum of what I thought was good music, right?
0: Right, right.
1: Um, And then the next thing I know, I'm in this band with Coke Escovito. And then I start to be a part of this whole Escovito family. Gotcha. Um, And so that was the next step before Slave and all of that.
0: The whole Escovito family.
1: Yes. Namely. (laughs) Yes. I remember the first day that I met Sheila. We were doing Sheila a show.
0: E for those Sheila, who don't know
1: <laughs> Sheila E, Sheila e uh-huh. absolutely, Sheila, Sheila Escovito. Uh-huh. She was 19 at the time, she had just turned 19. And he, we were doing a gig in San Francisco, I think was at the Waldorf. I think. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Yo, man, we're gonna bring my, my niece out here tonight. <laughs> I want you to meet my niece. I said, Oh, okay. I figured she was gonna sing or something, you know,
0: right, right.
1: So, you know. She's, she's along, I'm on the drums, right, and I have right. a small platform, and she's like sitting next to me, and there was some cungas there, right. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of looking over at her. I don't know what's about to go down, because I've <laughs> never seen a female play drums before for uh, anything like
2: that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm thinking, oh, okay, did she bring the cungas out? I, I don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then we started, and then, man. Uh oh. She started slapping on the on the and I was I'm playing on going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here, I'm having a I'm having a moment on right. the <laughs> right, what
0: right. Is
1: happening right now, man. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. she just smiling, just going in, right? Uh-huh. And uh so we became cool and so now I'm going to the Escovitos now, Pete and Chilla. They were doing the salsa thing, whereas Coke was doing more Latin soul.
2: So uh-huh. it had
1: more of an R&B feel. Got Sheila and, and Pete, her father, they was doing 17-piece salsa band. Oh, my Straight gosh.
0: up. And Sheila was in that?
1: She was in that. It was called uh, Pete and Sheila Escovedo, And the oh. first album they did was called Solo 2.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Billy Cobham produced the album. Wow. <laughs> Billy Cobham actually played drums with them for a while too. And I saw them in San Francisco, 17 piece band with Billy Cobham on drums. Sounded Goodness. like a freight train coming. I'm telling <laughs> you. It was unbelievable. I'm
0: telling you. Uh huh. Uh huh.
1: So, wow. Um, wow. yeah. And then I got cool with the Escovedo family. And then Billy went on to do his thing with George Duke.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And. They went through, you know, auditioning some drummers and some people came in. They say, hey, man, why don't you just come and hit with us? And I'm like, oh,
0: okay. what?
1: <laughs> so now I'm playing with the 17-piece salsa band and Carlos Santana decides, well, you know what? I want to take some time away from Santana and be the featured soloist with the Pete and Sheila Escovedo band that also had Bill Summers from Summers um, Heat on
0: percussion. Right, right. I remember Bill, uh-huh.
1: And there was Julian Priester on trombone, and Eddie Henderson was on trumpet. Good. Ray Oviedo was on guitar, and Mark, Mark Soskin, who then eventually went with Billy Cobham to do his magic album. was And this was a band full of just unbelievable. And Jorge would come and play sometimes, too, Carlos Santana's younger brother.
2: huh.
1: Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was just holding on tight to the end, (laughs) you know what I mean? I was 21 and I had played I was just going
0: to ask, I was just going to ask how old you were because I'm sure you had, your neck's got to be hurting now from the whiplash. Come on, (laughs)
1: bro. And Billy was my idol. Right. And I'm like, how can I, how do I, how can I follow that? And their whole thing was, we like your feel. Mm. And Mm. they gave me, they encouraged me and, you know, and I was able to do that. And believe me, I was intimidated by it because in Ohio, at that time, Latin music was Santana.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you might have some Ray Oviedo
0: records. Exactly. That was more yes, exactly. Yep.
1: I should say Kenny Burrell. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. Yep. So Kenny
1: Burrell, maybe some Mongo Santa Maria.
2: Maybe. Uh, right.
1: Watermelon. Yeah, that's yep. in the Midwest. The Latin thing had really kicked in like that. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, if you was into rock, then you was into Santana. Mm-hmm. And that's rock. how I kind of. You're got into rock. You're into Santana. Day. Yes, uh, sir. That's that's so something. how that all kind of worked
0: out. And it is interesting because being from Ohio myself, you know, it's it, it, Latin. The Latin thing was almost kind of like an underground kind of a thing. It was, and the people that knew about it were, you know, either Latinos or those or the the musicians who were like oh, my God, did, did you hear this? Did you hear this? You know, but for the most part, it wasn't like a big thing, like you said, in, in Ohio. So yeah,
1: at that time in the 70s. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, yes, sir. Yes, sir.
2: And
0: I, I did want to just go back and just just touch upon one thing. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but you were talking about like, as far as like the Battle of the Bands mm-hmm. and back into and we're only talking about like a few, few groups, you know, that you mentioned there. But the mm-hmm. Battle of the Bands was like a huge, huge, huge deal. There were like so many bands involved and they were all like, man who's gonna win this because they were all good you know That's right. so so yeah yeah I just wanted to touch on that real quick so anyway um you're you're and I was gonna ask you as far as like your age because I mean everything was moving like really fast for you at the time and the way you put that you had to be holding on I mean for dear life you know yeah and I mean I you're was, going from yeah. like major star to major star to major star you know <laughs> so
1: yeah it was uh it was an amazing time and, and- mm-hmm. What it taught me it taught me how to practice
2: mm. the right way mm. it
1: taught me Which to is practice on my weaknesses mm-hmm. instead of being too enamored with my strengths ah, because God. i was in a situation that if i didn't practice my weaknesses and they didn't see that i was growing and developing then they would have said you close, but not there yet. You see what Mm I'm saying? I Mm -hmm. I constantly got better, uh, but I, I understood, you know, they had just had Billy Cobham on drugs,
0: Right. (laughs) That was right. Right.
1: Right. Uh, Right. And he was my actual, I mean, I loved Billy Cobham and I saw him playing with them.
0: Of course. Um,
1: But at the same time, within the context of having that much percussion, Mm-hmm. it it didn't need me to be playing all over the place. Mm-hmm. I just had to be tasty and mm-hmm. have the chops enough to hang mm-hmm. but they were more interested in where I sat in what they were doing so that the percussion I wasn't getting in the way.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The sign and, of an excellent musician right there.
1: <laughs> yeah so I mean I, I gained more confidence every show I gained more confidence Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was a place where, like I said, I learned how to practice. um, And it was also a place where I learned how to sit inside a unit and know my role. And if I played my role well, then that's all that was needed,
2: Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm.
1: you understood your role. Mm -hmm. And that was to drive the band, color some stuff up, but not overwhelm it because we had all these percussion players Mm -hmm. filling in all the gaps exactly exactly plus a horn section right
0: right right a lot of horn sections back in the day you just That's hit upon great. a very important point though too um one of my favorite movies and i, I kind of have like this list for musicians if you're going to come into me if you're going to come into the music business you have to watch this list of movies one of those movies is, a, is drumline okay and and the scene where the guy tells nick cannon um as far as like his role in the band you know when you're in the band, nobody hears you. They hear the band, you know. So, and you just totally hit upon that. You know, this is, this is my role here, you know. And when, when the time comes, you know, I'll get to shine. But for now, this, this, is, where I'm, this is where I am. So, Absolutely. you just hit upon the And, and even your, what you made, the point that you made as far as, like, practicing. A lot of people do practice on their strong points, and they don't practice on their weak points. And that's a very important point right there. Very important point. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. thank you for making that. You are the consummate professional, man. Hey, man! <laughs> like I said, I realized,
1: you know, real quick that if I was gonna keep this gig, knowing how more advanced they were than I,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was gonna work on my weaknesses and hope that every time that I came to a rehearsal mm-hmm. or a the gig, they was like, "Yo, man, homie, getting it." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was able to to get better and get better, and and I felt. There was a time when I felt like I belonged with them a little bit.
0: Good, good. You
1: know what I'm saying? I'm, right. And I say it that way because I was I remember we were backstage and I was talking to Bill Summers. He says, Hello to you, man. <laughs> I said, I just I just turned 20, man, 21. Man. <laughs> and he goes, Man, I joined Herbie when I was 19. <laughs> I said okay, <laughs> and he wasn't saying it. You know, right. it wasn't a competitive thing. Or he wasn't. Right. Treating, we was having a conversation, and he was talking to me, which you know I was like excited about.
2: Mm-hmm. But he
1: was telling me, "Yeah, man, you're 21 from Ohio. I joined Herbie when I was 19." Mm-hmm. So he understood where I was coming from and what I was getting. You know what I was going through. Gotcha. And you know it, it it worked out. But like I Got said. You. um, that's where I learned really how to focus and how to practice, and what a real great band sounded like. That wasn't playing covers, you know. This was uh-huh. the first time they were playing original music. Uh
2: huh. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. It's funny you said that's where you learn how to focus. It seems to me that's how you—that's where you learn how to improve on your focus because you yeah. had it back when you were like what five years old. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean I, that you stay focused all the way through that time, man. And especially with all the people that you had to play with, that you still kept your eye on the ball, man. That's that's very impressive. Very impressive.
2: Well, see,
1: I never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Right here. <laughs> that's cool, man. Because yeah, I guess I did. I just mm-hmm. never looked at it that way. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So so from from there, you move on, and you're still you know like doing your thing. Where did slave come in to the picture? Were they immediately? Were they like in that? thing or did did that take a minute before well, we got to that point
1: while i was still out in in the berkeley area and i'm talking now 77 right i graduated 75 i mm-hmm. uh, went and did went out to california immediately went back and joined the murphys mm-hmm. 76 then went back out to california right okay so now, now we're in 77 and i'm this doing my thing man, aren't you? with the uh <laughs> You know, I'm doing my thing with the Escovitos right. And then that band decided, well, this was really a cool thing because Santana was going to go back to his band. Right. Where the world really found out about Sheila Escovito, who was later known as Sheila E., her first big move onto the world scene, she played percussion with George Duke. Ah,
0: right, right. I, for- I forgot about that. You're right. I totally forgot about that.
1: So here's how this goes. She, The the band decides, hey man, we've done our thing. People start going different directions. She went with George Duke. Mm -hmm. The bass player, David Margin, went back with Santana. He was Santana's bass player at that time.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mark Mm -hmm. Soskin was the keyboard player and he went with Billy Cobham. And Mm -hmm. this was around um, the time when Billy Cobham did the album Magic, and that's a uh-huh. great album.
0: It is. It is.
1: It is. The keyboard player Soskin was crazy on that. And then Ray Oviedo did his thing, and everybody, of course, Bill Summers did some Bill Summers Heat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. everybody sort of went and did their own thing. Uh-huh. Julian Priester, Eddie Anderson, they were already jazz greats in their own right at that time. Right, right. And right around the time when people were going their separate ways, I get a call from the great Mark Adams, rest in peace, bassist Mm -hmm. for Slave, Mm -hmm. who had been in the local group that we had together, the Young
0: Mystics. Okay, okay.
1: So they, so here it goes, here's how this thing, this (laughs) is before the phone call. Right. One day I'm listening to the radio, right? down here. <laughs> I'm like, who was that, man? Uh-huh. And so I'm like, yo, man, I'm feeling that. So uh-huh. I go to the record store, man. I got to have this thing. What's that? Uh-huh. Oh, it's called Slide. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who is it? Slave. Slave. Oh, okay. I'm with it. So I went and snatched up the album, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like,
2: yo, and I
1: flip it over and I see three three-fourths of the cats that was in the young mystics right, right. in high mm-hmm. school
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the record. And I'm like, yo, that's the homies from Dayton.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just so happens they're on tour on slide, right? And they come mm-hmm. through Concord, uh, California, and I get a call. And they had already been on tour for a while this is getting in the late 77 back in the studio they call me and see what's going on see what i'm doing slow time passes and they decide to make a drum chair change and they asked me did i want to join the group and what was so cool about it time wise is the Escovedo's were going their separate ways right i mean that band right Wow. Um, uh-huh. So it was perfect timing and they say hey man you want to join the group and I go yeah. So I go back to Dayton and then of course then go back to New Jersey because Stevie Washington who was the leader of Slave, right. who was the nephew of Pee Wee, the trumpet player for the Ohio Players. Good Lord, <laughs> and so I moved to Jersey, to because that slave had moved to Jersey, uh-huh. and that's where we started recording more music, right?
0: Uh-huh. Right, right.
1: And uh, so then I joined the band, and in on seven, in seven late seventy eight,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right. And then went into the studio seventy nine. No, it was 78 and did the concept album. Oh,
0: okay.
1: And that was with Stellar Funk, the first song that right. I ever played drums on on a national level that was on the radio, a record that was my first record that I ever played drums oh. on on the radio wow. with Stellar okay.
0: okay. Funk. That okay. was
1: 78.
0: Okay. Was that your first experience in the recording studio?
1: It was not my first experience on, in the recording studio. I did some of that in California. But never in a record mode. It was just like our band was trying to figure out and see if we can write something and you know what I'm saying? Oh, Okay. A local band I was playing with along with playing with the Mm -hmm. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we had a little local band, I think we would call Kraken at that time.
0: Um, Okay. And we
1: would go and see what we could do a little bit. But that was the first time where it was like a national act and it's like, okay, we we gotta make hits and that
0: sort of thing. Uh huh. And your feeling when you first heard that on the radio?
1: Oh man! First time I heard <laughs> Stellar, I about went crazy, bro. Um, <laughs> uh, because, now, now
0: let me let me make sure because I want to make sure that I'm not lost because you're you're like in New Jersey. Were you in New Jersey at the time when it well, when it was well, released?
1: Well, actually, you know, we would go back and forth because we still had our place in Dayton.
0: I oh, got you. Okay. So we
1: go to New Jersey spend time there, record there. Mm. In between, we're going to rehearse and go out to tour. We'd mm-hmm. all come back home, those who you know, lived in Dayton.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So we
1: come back to Dayton. And the first time I heard Stellar, I was in Dayton in the club, home. Oh, man. W-D-A-O.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: here's a new one. And your one. family's there. Yeah, uh-huh. Stellar uh-huh. Funk.
2: da 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 da
1: And I cranked that joint up, man. Uh, uh, <laughs> everybody know. in
0: the hood heard it, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: man. And, and you know, everybody was so proud, the family was so I'm proud. Sure. Was so I'm
2: excited. sure. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, because here I was now, you know, here I was, this kid, mm-hmm. music, you know, where my, you know, my great mm-hmm. uncle was the preacher. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, after all those years, and really wasn't a lot of years in terms of growth of a musician, but it is when your family's looking at you from when you was a little homie, got gotcha, you right. And and the next thing they know, you hear Steve on
2: the radio, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> man, it was it was a wonderful time,
0: right? Right. Great memories to do that and and kept you busy, kept you really busy yeah. with Slave.
1: absolutely. <laughs> so. And I just had so much fun. And I was prepared for that because I had uh-huh. learned so much from the Escovedos. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, man. So I was I was sort of. To, to make the transition for Slave was easier for me because of that in mm-hmm. terms of the rigors of being on the road and you know, that whole thing. And so mm-hmm. I, had, I had some experience with that between the Murphys and the
0: Got Okay. Got it. And, 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 you know, I'm sure, you know, between Slave and Steve Arrington, anytime one of you guys records came out, the dance floor would be flooded and not only for a few minutes, it would stay flooded, (laughs) you know, stay crowded. So yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome. So you go, so you're, you're playing drums with, with, with uh, slave for, for a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. What, what brought you, what, what, what instituted the move to the front, to the, to the front of the stage with the
2: mic?
1: Well, um, slave. If you listen to slide, mm-hmm. slave short, sort of had the temptations approach to to a group singing. Uh-huh. You had Danny Webster would do a couple lines. Floyd Miller would sing a couple lines. Drack would say, "They call me Drak. Here I come." Uh huh. Um, yep. They sort of traded off vocals, and so they asked me, "Can you sing?" Um, and I'm like, "Yeah, I, I can sing." You know, I'm mm-hmm. not. Like uh, I'm not used to singing like that, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I do a little something, something. I think
0: Steve is used to holding down to do, the funk.
1: You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, uh, but I'm like, yeah, I did sing tally Tia yellow Remedy uh- <laughs> 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 well- <laughs> <laughs> from the drums. You know, I did, yeah. <laughs>
0: right.
1: Tie a yellow rhythm <laughs> around the old oak
0: tree. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Tree. Well, I did sing tie a yellow
1: Come on, man. You know what you got to do when you're doing them covers in those kind oh, of Oh, Yeah. It's like the Hilton room, and then you get right. your little band there, and you get, <laughs> okay, you get you some top forty in. We do some. I remember we used to do Stevie Wonder. If you really love me, I used to just oh. wait for that one.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But you know, we did bad Bad, bad Leroy Brown, and I enjoy doing this
2: because mm-hmm.
1: I just love the music, and it was like, okay, let me get my lounge singer voice going. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. it was, it was a lot to learn there. But that being said. Tim Dozier, who was uh, the drummer in my brother's band, who was the original drummer with Slave,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he did some singing on their first album.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think a song he did, "Separated," or um, he did a ballad too. Anyway, that being said, they asked me, "Could I sing?" I said, "Hey, man, I'll try to do a little something, you know." Um,
0: while you're playing, or, or... Yes,
1: while I was playing, oh, okay. Um,
0: okay. And
1: um, so we went into the studio, and the first song that I sang that had some lines to it was a song coming soon and I sang the bridge
2: Uh uh on
1: Coming Soon. But Mm then the following album, 79 on Just a Touch of Love, I end up being like the lead vocalist on that particular song.
0: Oh, okay, okay. And
1: um, how that all...
0: More featured vocalist, not yet yet full time, right?
1: Yes, you know, it's still we always trading off but they decided That my style and what we were doing musically, they liked the way it meshed. They liked the way it fit. Mm -hmm. At first, they wasn't so, they was like, it's different. And you know, I was like, well, how are you, where are you coming from? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm coming from. I'm (laughs) I'm just reacting. I'm just singing. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh.
1: And with that being said, though, I guess they saw that as, well, you know, this is actually different.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: so it was like, well, okay, now Jimmy Douglas, the great Jimmy Douglas, who's engineered some of the greatest records ever, Mm
2: -hmm. even
1: since Slave, he was also the producer, he and Stevie Washington Mm -hmm. produced a lot of the Slave tracks at that time. Mm -hmm. They decided that I had something different. And the band was like, yeah, we're feeling it. Uh So the next thing I know, I'm on the road singing just a touch of love from the drums and I'm like okay I could relate to you know um, I could relate to that because the guy that was in rare earth sang from the drums.
0: Yes 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 and killed and, it too.
1: Yeah he sure did. <laughs> uh-huh, man.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah
1: but so there were some drummers that I you know uh, I saw that I was like oh okay. I
0: okay feel it's, this on. is not impossible you can do this. Yeah uh-huh.
1: but then what happened was they were like you know what though the thing about this, this particular singing, your style, sounds like you should be up front. It doesn't sound like you should be doing it from the drums. Wow! You need wow. to be the front man. I said, I've never been a front man. I don't even like being up front. <laughs> I've always done the drum thing, you know, uh-huh. I, I uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. I've never been a person who thought, man, I want to be a guitar player or I want to mm-hmm.
2: be up front. Mm-hmm. And
1: they said, yeah, well. But you got to be up front, so here we go.
0: (laughs) You don't have a choice in the matter now.
1: (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so I'm like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. So we were on tour with um, Barkays and Cooling the Gang when they had JT was doing his thing and and the great uh, Gap Band with Charlie Wilson.
0: Yes, you're back to school.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And also cameo. We would tour with them a lot. So what I would do on their sets, I'd stand on the side of the stage and watch them do their thing and how the front men would, you know, would react in certain ways. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh,
2: okay. I see mm-hmm. he
1: goes up to the chicks and he bend down and, and right. he looks at them give them a certain look and they start screaming us, it's, oh, okay. And then, you know, mm-hmm. they go around, and they walk and they got a certain swagger about them. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, so I watched them.
0: So you literally there like taking notes. I mean, you're watching all of them.
1: Absolutely. Every uh, show I watched all of them.
2: Uh-huh. You
1: know, uh-huh. Roger had this whole high octane thing going Man, mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, man, next he's got all these different costumes. Mm-hmm. He comes in on this dude on with his back. Do it, Roger, do it on the back of this right. guy. You know what I mean? Right,
0: right. And so now, um, now you mentioned you mentioned Cameo also. And yes. I, 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 now this is where they had the same thing. I mean, with Larry on the drums and he stepped out front. Yes. When, right. when you saw, when you were watching them, was Larry out there at front? He there? wasn't
1: out front yet.
0: Not yet. Now, okay. He eventually
1: okay. was still in the mix when he was out front. But in the beginning, he wasn't. He was oh, playing right. drums. That's right. when Wayne Cooper was still alive. Ah, right. The guy that really sang Hank right. real high
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, with mm-hmm. Tommy. Jenkins, mm-hmm. they both, you know, kiss right. off, was watching Tommy. And, you know, the way they were in the beginning, everybody, it was just so high energy. Mm-hmm. They didn't have like a dedicated lead singer in that way. They sort of traded off, but I still watched how they performed. You know, right. and I was just trying to get a feel because I had no idea any of that.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So for you know, I was for a while in the beginning, I was uncomfortable.
2: I tried right. to
1: hide it as much as I could, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I loved the music. So the music would spur would, would spur me into uh-huh. whatever vibe it would drive I you right. Into. Yeah, so right. then. And what it was was like this. I saw myself as a drummer who sang, but after a while, <laughs> I saw myself as a singer
0: who, who played plays drums. drums. Okay. Now, okay. That took a while I'm sure. I'm sure. Because
1: there's almost you felt like, well, I've been playing drums all my life. There's right. almost a sense of loss, lost there because I mm-hmm. start to get further. I still play drums on all the albums.
0: Right. So ah, we wow. Brought okay.
1: in the great Roger Parker, who played drums with Faisal, another group from Dayton. Another one. Right. Had the big hit Riding Ride High.
0: Yes, yes, yep.
1: Brought him to play drums live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is 79, 79, 80, getting into those times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And after we got into just a touch of love and then into watching you, that, mm-hmm. that Stone Jam album,
2: mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. sort of
1: caught my footing style-wise as a vocalist mm-hmm. and also in how to front a band, you know. So I was doing right. all of this at the same time, It right there, you know, right there in the midst of the fire. Um, right. And they trusted me. Again, you know, they trusted me because I kept working on it and trying to get better at it.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and they obviously saw your dedication to it. Yes. Right. Wow. Wow, man. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. And you, you, you touched upon like, you know, how, how different your, your singing style is and all. And although, you know, to you, you're just, hey, I'm just, I'm just singing. This is what I, you know, I'm doing this. Um, how did you react? I mean, when you got out there and you're singing like for the first time, I don't know if you remember the very first time that you're at the front of the stage with the audience reacting to the singing style, this like new singing style. How, how was that for you?
1: I don't remember. Or I should say, a different like, singing style. Right I don't remember right out in the onset. Yeah, because you had
0: too much going on in your head, I'm sure, right? right.
1: <laughs> but I do remember that it's like, wow, man, people are—they're feeling. Ridiculous. They're mm-hmm. And they're liking the explorations, mm-hmm. you know? Like, kind of go in different places. I'm like, oh, okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And then I started to feel comfortable because I was so comfortable as a drummer.
2: Uh-huh. Right, I started right,
0: to
1: right. Feel right. more comfortable as a singer, um, and so I started thinking more like a singer, how to protect my voice better, and gotcha stuff that I didn't have a clue about. You know, right?
0: That you never had to worry
1: laugh about too loud? Oh, you know, you watch right. how you laugh. If you laugh too loud, you put stress on your voice, or wow. you know things like that that I just I had no idea.
0: Things that we it. all take for granted.
1: Yes, and laugh I, too I, I, loud. Try to talk over. Like you're at a show there's music going and you're backstage talking Mm -hmm. so you try to talk over the music and you talk and then you're Uh, talking way too loud you don't really notice it then
0: great point Mm -hmm.
1: but you put stress on your voice Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so those things i didn't know so i had to deal with getting hoarse and you know all that kind of stuff and to train myself to think like a singer instead of being a drummer
0: Uh uh-huh Mm-hmm. I
1: knew the things about drumming, how to keep myself strong through mm-hmm. whole shows and how to pace myself and how did the sticking certain sticking going to give you that rim shot right. that you don't have to hit real hard. If you hit it just at the right place, you can just snap it all that kind of stuff. I had all that down.
0: Right. But I had right.
1: to learn this, those same types of things as a singer okay. that I had to learn.
0: Wow! Wow! Awesome! Awesome! So, are you are you um are you writing at the time? Are you writing for the band at the time?
1: Yes, because okay. uh, uh, as my role started to change and they dug my vocal style, well, how it actually happened for just a touch of love, they said, "Steve, get on the mic and do something." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, doo, 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 doo. Mm-hmm. "I had no words," and they say, "Well, go to the hotel, come back tomorrow." had the words. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. I came back, had the words and they're like, man, we like it the way your style fits with what we're playing. Uh So then I became, you know, an integral part of the writing in Slave. So
0: was was the track already written?
1: Yes, we had done the track and it was like, okay, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do? Okay. And you know we, you know, as we always did, we came up with ideas. People go around the mic and say, "Hey, what do you think?" And they're like, "Hey, we well, maybe that's cool." You no, know, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually would. I was last because I wasn't there to be the singer.
2: Oh, okay.
1: So okay. they, was, oh, I see, I see Feeling it. about where it was going, it's like,
0: well, we haven't really got
1: there yet, Steve. You see what you, what you got?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, oh, okay, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, I just Mm -hmm. and they dug it. And they was like, Mm -hmm. we don't know exactly what that is, but Mm -hmm. that's working, bro. So Mm -hmm. they said, go to the hotel, come back tomorrow, have some lyrics. Mm -hmm. I came back with just a touch of love.
0: Go to the hotel, come back tomorrow with some lyrics. Yes. (laughs) And the melody. And you did.
1: Yes. And I came back and they're like, yo, we feeling this, bro.
0: There's that focus.
1: And, um, then it was like, oh, okay. And uh-huh. then the next thing I know, it's on the radio.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: people we're like, yo, <laughs> man, it's a slave. This thing like slide. This is different. Uh,
2: right. You uh-huh. know,
1: And uh, but the people accepted it. The
0: group. They loved it.
1: Like, you know what? This is working. And the next thing I know, I'm in uh, one of the primaries. I'm one of the primary songwriters in the group. Just Just like that.
0: Man, I got to tell you, I'm one of the, I'm guilty. I'm one of those people that's like, you know, first of all, the groove was just crazy, crazy funky. And then the vocal on top of that's like, whoa, 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 man, excellent, excellent, excellent. And just the right time too. It was awesome, awesome. And the writing style, all that. How, how did you, how did you approach, or you in the band, how did you approach writing? Was it like, um, uh, conglomeration. Did you guys all come together and like Yes,
1: we come ah, together. We okay. together. A lot of times, like I talked to the great Jimmy Douglas not too long ago who uh produced and engineered those records and, and mm-hmm. about Jimmy Douglas. This guy he j- engineered the four forty four record mm-hmm. that uh, Jay mm-hmm. did. He did that twenty twenty um that um Trying to think of his name, Justin Timberlake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So much of Timberland, all the Timberland stuff. Right. He he engineered um, all the way back to Aaliyah. Uh huh. Wow. So he's done some of the great records of the last 20 years. And then also he produced Slave and engineered those tracks too. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, uh, what was your question
0: again? (laughs) <laughs> as far of, as like coming together, the whole band coming yes. together. As far as like the writing style, uh-huh. right.
1: That's what I wanted to say. He uh-huh. brought to my attention the first time we got together with him, myself, and Mark Adams, and we mm-hmm. started grooving. And Mark Adams came up with the bass line that "Just a Touch of Love." Oh, I was
0: playing drums, yeah, man. Man, I loved it. you played drums on that too, right? Yes,
1: I played okay. drums. And it was okay. just he and I just grooving. Oh, man. And he was like, man, that right there, this is Jimmy uh-huh. listening to what's going. That right there is the real deal. We just got to come up with a
0: bridge. Man, I can imagine being there in the studio and you guys are grooving on that. That groove had to go on for what? How long? Like a couple of days? You guys just it, we
1: This was actually at a rehearsal studio.
2: Right, right. We
1: actually got to the studio.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: Adams, Adam's and groove. I would
2: just... And
1: Jimmy was like, yo, man, that's <laughs> the real deal right there. We gotta come up with a bridge. So we was uh-huh. you know, getting different vibes. And then we hit this one bridge. And and he's like, That's it, that's it, that's it. That's
2: mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. so
1: then we then go from that situation, go into the studio, and we show them what we did, mm-hmm. Adams and I. And mm-hmm. then everybody came around and just added their parts to it. Right. Uh, and then we knew we had us a serious track. Like that yeah. That track right there is the real deal. So we got to make sure the vocal is just right for it. Mm-hmm. And so it took a little while to find where that place right. was, and then we ended up with what you have now.
0: Man, man, a mega hit, a mega mega hit. And like I said, that's another example of like, you know, flooding the dance floor when that song comes on. At the first note, it's like, bam, you got, you got to find your space on the floor. Because <laughs> it's packed, it's packed. So, so fast forward to your, your solo career. Um, you, 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 now it's about Steve Errington. Um, did it, it began with the Hall of Fame, correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. So fast forward to that. How was that? Now you're on your own. You got to, you. It's all you now. Yes. Oh, hold on. By the way. Okay. There he is. That one. There he is. Uh, let me get him. Yeah. Yes, this, there we go. There we go. So anyway, move, moving to your 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 uh, your solo career that, that came about and how now you're in charge. You you got the whole thing. How yes. was that and and what was the process as far as that?
1: Well. Uh, Slave, we had did the Stone Jam album
2: mm-hmm.
0: yep.
1: all together, Full Power, right? Yep. After the Stone Jam album, part of us never actually toured together on that one. Stevie Washington, who was the leader of the group, mm-hmm. and then Kurt Jones, who was also one of they brought in to do vocals as well, and right. Starlina Young, who they brought in to ah, do vocals Starlina uh-huh. were from Jersey. Uh-huh. They were from Jersey with Stevie, East Orange.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and in that area. So mm-hmm. he decided he wanted to do Aura. Now we had did an album on Aura while we were all together. Mm-hmm. And the album was titled Aura. Mm-hmm. But it was more like P Funk. You had the Horny Horns, you mm-hmm. had the Brides of Funkenstein, but it still was in the the uh, circle of P-Funk. Mm-hmm. But we did the same thing with Aura and then Stevie decided, you know what, I want to go ahead and pursue Aura as an entity unto itself away from the band. Oh, okay. So they left okay. the group and mm-hmm. we did Stone Jam, but they didn't tour with us. I got you. So we, he had asked if I would join that band with them and I said, no, I, I wasn't comfortable with that. I wanted to stay with the Dayton homies. Mm-hmm. They brought me into the to the game. I'm I'm going to stay with the Dayton homies.
2: And there mm-hmm. was no
1: real. There was this. It wasn't this big breakup, like ugh, emotional thing. He
0: uh-huh. had Business.
1: done the Aura record, and he mm-hmm. felt that he wanted to pursue that more intensely. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he went to do that, and we recalibrated. And uh, the great Mark Adams became the leader of the group, and then he okay. did. Um, so the Showtime album, which had,
0: uh-huh. uh.
1: had "Wait for Me" mm-hmm. and yep. um, "Snapshot," was the first single off <laughs>
0: <Yep. had>. Yes, <laughs> uh-huh. um,
1: and so you know we kept the momentum going; it kept going, but there was also changes within the dynamic because not only did part of the power of the group leave. Mm -hmm. It changed the dynamic of how leadership and the management and you know all of a sudden everything changed. Right. That being said, I was never actually signed to the group. I was a hired musician to play drums. Now remember, the singing and the writing was never really in the perspective, as far as I understood what I was there to do.
0: Right. How okay. that all
1: came into play, it just sort of evolved that way.
0: Oh, okay. okay. Um, but
1: I never was signed to the group. So when there was stuff going on contractually with things that had been signed, Stevie and those guys leaving and how all that was going to play out and all of that,
2: mm-hmm. I
1: wasn't a part of that really because mm-hmm. I was signed to the group.
0: Okay. okay. But
1: that being said, the... That was the first real crack in the armor where you went, uh-oh.
0: Okay. You know,
1: that was a major blow. Um, mm-hmm. We were able to continue musically, but it, it dealt us a he- heavy blow from the business point of view. Gotcha. Um, and so we struggled. And um, and what I did, I decided I was like I said, I wasn't actually a part of the group legally in a sense of contractually. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were figuring out what what can we do, what's going to happen, blah, 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 and I decided hey, man, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and and do my own thing. Um, nice. And um, I actually started out with the first single, Way Out.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And Atlantic, I did it on uh, my own label. Okay. But Atlantic picked it up, right? Uh-huh. So it ended up being on Atlantic Records, but it started on my own label, Conglacer. Wow, okay. Um, and then they...
0: Dude, the business savvy. Add- I'm, I'm, I'm checking that. <laughs> wow. I
1: Time, my bro. You know, I uh-huh. just continued to try and grow and develop, you know.
0: Right, right.
1: Um. So then Atlantic picked it up, and Hall of Fame 1 was on Atlantic Records,
2: and mm-hmm.
1: the first single off of that was way out and that, mm-hmm. but it first came out under my own label, uh, Conglator, mm. so that's how that got going. Now, my transition into being a band leader and how all that's, how I felt about all of that, you know, again, there was another, That was another learning process for me mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, wanting, you know, cause in Slave we had so many people who were Giving ideas and perspectives. And now that was narrowing down. I still brought some of those people who were also hired musicians Mm -hmm. along with me. Mm -hmm. The Carter brothers and Roger Parker came with me, and we added some other people. That being said, though, I became now Steve, what do you think? What should Mm -hmm. we do? Mm -hmm. How are we going to get this done? And so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. So that was a new place for me.
0: and my whole and thing And to, to your point, this is a, this is still at a time when we're talking about big bands. You know? Yes, so absolutely. you have to deal with like all that. I mean, you know, the different, you know, individual personalities and all that stuff. You got to deal with all that. Now exactly. you're the man, just like you said. It's all like, you know, Steve. What do you think? Exactly. So how was that? I mean, to go from you know you're this and now you're this. You know. <laughs>
1: well, you know, it was a progression that. As things were going on from, I'll say, from the Escovedos. Uh,
0: right, right.
1: I was able to look back to see how Pete, you know, um, ran his band or how Coke did his thing and even Stevie, Stevie wow. Washington. Mm-hmm. And so I had good people to look to to say, oh, okay. Um, and my thing, you know, it's like, hey, treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, and, you know, let's just do something special and, and have a good time doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that was sort of the approach. Now, then, that's just the overall philosophy. Of course, now you got business, you've got right. contracts, right. you've got this, percentages, and so on
0: and so right. on. So right, it's 90% of business.
1: And it's that whole <laughs> other side of things in which I had to learn more about. Right. Uh, so, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, hey, we start bands.
0: There you go. First
1: album, there it mm-hmm. is. You know, drop way out, and then uh, we drop. Nobody can be you with you.
0: Yes. And
1: then we drop weak at the knees.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, <laughs> off the first album.
0: Uh huh.
1: Uh huh. Um, we're touring. Things How are exciting. Good.
0: That had to be man.
1: Um, yeah, it was. It, and and what was so cool about it, Atlantic, after they uh, picked up the record, they were like, "Yo, man, just m- w- make another watch in you," and I'm like. I already did that, you know? <laughs> you know. I'm not trying to recreate what we did right. as slave. If I was going to do that, then I just would have stayed
0: in slave. Stayed in slave, right? Right, right. Uh-huh.
1: I'm not going to come with slave. That's not what this is. Uh-huh. I'm trying to develop more of my thing because I had these other music influence, like for instance, influences like the Escovedos, They didn't sound anything like slave. You know, that was different music so I mm-hmm. brought all these other influences into what I was doing uh, you can clearly hear that you know that I come out a slave mm-hmm. but if you listen to way out way out doesn't sound like slave
2: mm.
1: wow. you know it has it has a picture of its own uh-huh. um, you know if I would did something that sounded like just a touch of love or or uh, watching you they was like well yo bro I mean what's right. up with that
0: Right, right, uh-huh. right, right. You sound like slave. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
2: You know, mm-hmm.
1: and I and I understand. You know, with a group that had such a singularity in tone and was so unique unto itself, you could hear the influences
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you know came along with what I was doing. But clearly, Hall of Fame One
0: was not a slave record. No, it definitely was not. It was not. Uh-huh. It was like I said, clearly a different artist. This was Steve Arrington. This was not slave. Mm-hmm. So. And love that, love that. Great product too. I mean, all your stuff, man, was, was was awesome, awesome. And they were all different in, into them into themselves. Does that make sense? I mean, it was like, you know, this didn't sound like this, this didn't sound like that, you know, so that you have, again, that focus, there it is right there, <laughs> you know, that you still have that.
2: So well, let, me,
0: let me ask you, I mean, you know, the the industry obviously has changed from when we were coming up to now. What are your thoughts on, on, like, the industry? And I'm not talking about, like, uh, obviously COVID's pretty much stopped everything, you know. But as far as, like, the industry from when we were there to, that, to this point, what do, you, what do you think? What are your thoughts as far as that?
1: Well, I think it's a, an exciting time
2: because
1: mm. you have so many ways to get it done now. Mm. Back in the day when we were coming up, if you didn't get picked up by a major record label, you just <laughs> just didn't happen.
0: Look for a job. You
1: know, yeah, it was, you know, and it and it made things. Um, you had to be in this one vibe, or else you didn't make it. You could mm-hmm. it, maybe try the jazz route, the smooth jazz route, R and B. Then you had mm-hmm. to make sure, cause an R and B wasn't pop. And rock wasn't accepted much at that time, so you had to be down the pipe of what was accepted R&B at the time. Right. Whereas today, you have so many radio outlet- outlets like iTunes alone, there's a zillion stations just on iTunes alone,
2: mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm.
1: exactly what you want, to hear mm-hmm. exactly the styles. Mm-hmm. So young musicians coming up today have all these different places in which to have their music out like, Very true. like YouTube you got like Soldier Boy
0: mm-hmm. Soldier
1: Boy went to YouTube blew mm-hmm. up on YouTube and proved well you know there's other ways to get it done
2: mm-hmm. so
1: that's what I'm excited about for young musicians today is they don't have the stringent uh, brackets that we had when we were coming up uh, at the same time You know, you have to make sure because now there's anybody can make a record anywhere and so you have a lot of stuff that's just not really that good. But still, Uh even if so, they got a place in which to grow because you can still put your stuff out there and you can be like, yeah, man, you're getting better at this thing. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: you know, and, and, and a crew of people, fans at the same time, so I think overall today is a great time I feel like I'm young enough and old enough at the same time
0: Ah, love it I love that that's awesome 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 so with that you just touched upon like the young people that are coming up and and finally what 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 uh advice would you have to offer like those those people that are coming up with the business that are either beginning or they're still kind of struggling to find their way what advice would you have to offer offer them
1: Well, first of all, it's the music business. And there's so much available now online to Mm. get the information you need, not only about the contracts, but the different money streams.
2: Mm.
0: And there's so many of them now. You're right. Yes,
1: And Mm. there are so many. And today you have access to learn as much about the music business as you want to. And the library, obviously, is on your phone.
2: Mm,
0: Wow.
1: I mean, literally, you have access to the world of information. Mm -hmm. Use that, understand that, and don't be afraid to be different.
2: And what Mm -hmm. I mean
1: by that is if you have something that makes like I'll take Prince, for instance. Prince Mm -hmm. wasn't afraid to be different, and that's what we loved about
2: him.
1: Mm -hmm. He wasn't afraid to be different. I'll take the great Rick James, which you know, the Stone City Band, Mm -hmm. you know, in which you get down, and that's Mm -hmm. how you rock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wasn't afraid to be different, and and, and, and that's why we love it, Mm -hmm. and that's why we love you guys. Um, You know, those are the, and I'll go Miles Davis, Miles Davis came up playing bop music with Charlie Parker. Then he switched it up and did cool jazz. It had nothing to do with the bebop that Mm he played before. Then switched it up again and went electric and went into this more groove-oriented music on Bitches Brew. Mm -hmm. Then switched it up again and started bringing hip-hop elements into what he was doing. Mm -hmm. But the thing that made it all work was his horn, Mm -hmm. his sound. Mm -hmm. So regardless of how he dressed it up, it was his sound because it was unique. So to the young artists out there, don't be afraid to be you. Don't be afraid to completely let you out Mm -hmm. and then cultivate that. Because at the end, that's what makes us all excited is when we hear Frankie Beverly and I'm like, yo, man, nobody sound like Frankie, bro. Right, right,
2: (laughs) right, right. Um, So, yeah,
1: man. And then if uh, you go ahead, you are
0: about to say something. No, no, no. I was going to say, if anybody knows as far as like, you know, reinventing yourself and being different, that would be you. I mean, you had totally a unique sound. And and as you as you express, it's like, okay, um, I did this. Now we're going to now we're going to do this. We're not going to do that anymore. That's that's done. You know, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. We're going to do something else. You know, so, yeah, if anybody can speak on that, you certainly can. (laughs)
1: I'm most comfortable being able to do that because then the music stays fresh and you you get a chance to grow in that new skin, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you find it's like, there it is right there, bam, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you're as excited as you was. I can remember starting on drums playing Cold Sweat, right? <laughs> I can remember, <laughs> man, I got to get my Cold Sweat beat together, man.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: And it was, that dub- it was that double. It was that uh, double. Right. Exactly. It was that. Right. Exactly. It's like I got to get my double clutch to get. you
0: And I
1: just struggle with that double clutch. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I'm get double clutch.
0: Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you stayed with it.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. And the same way when you're developing, you know, to the next place, you know. You may not have it all together that first when they first hear, oh, he's changed, Mm -hmm. or something's going Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. But then you stay with it, and then all of a sudden you get to that place where there's command. Right. That's what young artists have so much today now, because you don't have to have a major label telling you you got to do this, you got to sit in this bracket. You can. There's nothing wrong with that. True. But you don't have to. There's other ways to get it done
0: excellent excellent <laughs> we're gonna close right there because i mean dude you're you're so awesome and you refer to i'm, I'm going to say this you refer to everybody every all your peers everybody that you work with as the great i'm going to refer to the great steve Arrington. thank you so much for being on the playground with us um thank i'm you, sure man. man thank you thank you thank you my um, bro,
1: Eddie, man you know what it is number love my brother
0: nothing nothing but oh one other thing, before we go, there were two terms that I definitely wanted to ask you about. We got so engrossed in this that I totally forgot about them. but I don't want to go without this. Um, when we, you and I met, you know, I was doing, I was, I'm, I'm music director with Stone City. Always yes, loved like your whole attitude. First of all, super nice person to work with. I mean, very encouraging to everybody. Um, came in ready, knew what you wanted to do, and, and we did it. So you're a great leader, great leader. But- when we were rehearsing, things got really funky in there. Steve had the ooh-wee funk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say that because when you say ooh-wee, you got to have the face that goes with it. You got you to gotta tell us what that, describe what that is, and if it's the same as G-funk. <laughs> yeah, well, the ooh-wee.
1: The yeah, the ooh-wee.
0: ooh-wee yeah, there it the is. ooh-wee got Even then, when you see it, you got to have the face. The ooh-wee funk. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have it, man. It's the ooh wee joint, man.
1: <laughs> That's that showed up funk, bro. That's, just... <laughs> that's that ooh-wee right there, bro. Yeah. Loved, it, loved it. they done got the ooh-wee popping off.
2: Loved, it, yeah, loved that,
0: that, it. That's that
1: down in the trenches funk, yes, and
2: sir.
0: Down in the trenches funk. And I remember when we were rehearsing, when we were getting ready for the show, that was always my guide. I'd always look at you and it's like, no, we didn't get there yet. We didn't get there. Yet. There it is. Because I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you the whole time. And it's like, you'd be walking around. <laughs> There. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, great times, man! Great times. Oh, man,
1: I sure, love rocking with you guys, man.
0: Big Thank you Thank that you. That
1: was an honor for me to rock with the mighty Stone City Band. That was a, awesome. That was the awesome. highlight, bro. We so all weird. had a great
0: time. Had a great Thank time. You, well, again, the great Steve Arrington. Steve, much love to you. Thank you so much for being with me on the playground. Where the players play. Again, I'm your host, Eddie Llewellyn, and thank you all for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brother Eddie. All right.